0: Time now for Here's the Thing, a show that's all about you with your host, Lauren Cardinal, a board-certified hypnotist and results coach. If you're looking to make a positive change this year, learn lifelong tools to reduce stress and be present, if you're stuck and need to remove the blocks that are from success and happiness in the areas of your life, or if you want to get a new perspective on things, well, it's time to talk to Lauren Cardinal. To talk to Lauren, call 732 748 1079. That's 732-748-1079. And now, here's your host, Lauren Cardinal.
1: Thank you for joining me for Here's the Thing. I'm Lauren Cardinal, your host. Is it time for change? If you want to change your life, it starts with changing your mind. So, thank you for listening and welcome to the show tonight. I'm grateful to those of you listening on 107.9 FM or online right now, and also to the Sussex County listening audience at 97.5 FM. And thank you to my podcast listeners far and wide in the U.S., Tokyo, Germany, and now the Philippines as well. So exciting. Thank you. So, tonight we're talking about addiction and i'll have a very special guest joining me in just a few moments now addiction looking at as you know i go into research mode in the the week prior to the show so addiction what is addiction it comes from the latin word addictare which means attached against your will ironically it was william shakespeare who used it first and it has mainly to do with debts but it's being attached against your will, and I think that pretty well sums it up. So if we think about the kinds of addiction, there's alcohol, there's cocaine, heroin, food addiction, sugar addiction, and the list could go on. And as far as statistics, 10 to 20% of Americans have an addiction. Less than 16% of those ever get treatment Of those who try but don't finish the treatment, only 50% of those ever go to try again. It's been brought to my attention in some of the research that I have that that idea of reaching the bottom uh, is more of a myth that sometimes that just doesn't happen, that there is no bottom. And as far as the treatment, the biggest losses in treatment are in the first two weeks. Those are just some of the statistics. Now, you may or may not be aware that a genetic link has been discussed, and also that it's a disease. And I think that's where I'd like to lead off the discussion tonight. So in a moment, I'll I'll do the beginning information that I have, and then we'll kick off right at that point. So first off, tonight's show is brought to you by North Star Asset Management. Investment advisors located in Panther Valley with over 30 years of investment experience. You can check them out online at www.nstarinvest.com. They've been helping people create long-term success with their financial plans by choosing the appropriate withdrawal rate. If you're at a distance from their location and aren't sure whether you're in their service area, you can reach out to John or Andrew. They often do house calls, and they may be able to come to you. For more information, call 908 850 That's 908 850 Or again, find them online at www.nstarinvest.com. Now, my last live show was about anxiety and anxiety be, being the squeaky wheel. And the idea is that if we think of our conscious mind as our captain and our subconscious mind as the crew, that there's a member of our internal crew that gets pretty loud about where we need to pay attention to something important and all of the other crew members need to get louder in order to be heard. And then we have the experience of overload, of everything needing our attention, and we're overwhelmed when rationally we can't explain why. And that's what anxious feelings are feel like, and if you experience anxious feelings and want to know more about what we discussed on the show, or if you heard it and you'd like to hear it again, you can find that podcast as well as all of my previous show's podcasts on my website, which is www.laurencardinal.com. Again, I'd like to welcome the Sussex County listening audience to the show on WRSK, which is 97.5 FM broadcasting from Sussex County Community College on Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. The shows are recorded live here on Monday nights, and they're done here at WOLD. For my Sussex County listeners, if you'd like to listen live or call into the show, the shows are live on Monday nights from 7 to 8 p.m. on WOLD Radio. You can listen to the show on the Internet at WOLDradio.com, or through the TuneIn Radio app on your phone. Now, on with the show. You're listening to Here's the Thing. I'm your host, Lauren Cardinal, board-certified hypnotist and results coach, and tonight we're talking about addiction with a special guest who'll be joining me. In a few moments, we'll be speaking with Brian McAllister, founder of Full Recovery Wellness Center. If you have any questions for Brian regarding recovery from addiction, the lines are open, 732-748-1079. 732-748-1079. That's 732-748-1079. If you call in now, you'll be first in the queue. You might have to be on hold for a little bit until Brian comes on, but we'll get the conversation going. Now, I've often thought of addiction as a coping mechanism, and my understanding is that there's type 1 alcoholism. Perhaps it is. Type 1 is considered not linked to family history. Uh, These individuals don't like stimulants, they follow the rules, and they start the addiction late in life. And in type one, it may be about coping mechanisms, which are different for all of us. Many of us can fit into this category but our coping mechanisms are varied and sometimes the coping mechanisms are beneficial. It could be exercise or meditation, and sometimes not, alcohol or overeating. When addiction is not strictly a coping mechanism, then is it a disease? Type 2 alcoholism is considered to have a strong family history. Uh, this individual-like stimulants may not follow rules and starts the drinking early. And this is according to the research. This isn't what I'm coming up with off the top of my head. It is believed that type 1 alcoholism is more common, but actually, according to Howard Wetzman, a physician and addiction specialist, 80% of the people he meets who came in for addiction treatment were type 2. Also, there's Dr. Silkman, who is the author of the big book, which is the Blue AA book, written in 1939. Dr. Silkman thinks of it as an allergy, where most people want to go to sleep after alcohol, not those with the allergy. They want to go out dancing and they want another drink before they do. And its I guess my understanding is that that's more stereotypical. But the idea is that those who uh, have this allergy, as he categorizes it, have a different response to alcohol than a good portion of the population. Now, if you have an allergy to strawberries, What do you do? You don't eat them. But alcoholics can't do that because of what he called the obsession of the mind. He says that these individuals are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the ease and comfort that comes by once again taking a drink. Drinks that they see others not having an issue with. It's this irritability and restlessness that drives them to take the first drink and then that allergy is affected. You see, we we know that we're allergic to strawberries, let's say, by eating one. We eat one, have a bad reaction, and then it's easy not to have them because the experience is so unpleasant. But in the case of what Dr. Silkman describes, the allergy is there and only known once the alcohol is taken, but the reaction is not unpleasant. And so it begins. Interestingly, 1988 was the first study in literature on addiction as a brain disease. That the drug, whatever drug it is, I think alcoholism comes to mind first and foremost, but the drug is the symptom, while the brain disease is the cause. Now, last week I discussed that Studies have shown that genetics makes up 5% of what we experience in illness, and I still believe that to be true. There is a genetic component with addiction. But after viewing the work of Dr. Howard Wetzman, I also understand several other factors that contribute, most notably the feeling of feeling less than and dopamine levels in the brain. Dopamine is that feel-good chemical in the brain, different from serotonin and dopamine plays a big role in our mental health and how it relates to substances we consume to make us feel good most drugs of abuse work by flooding the brain with dopamine alcoholics and drug addicts have all been found to be extremely low in dopamine researchers have also found sugar addicts are depleted in dopamine sugar, cocaine, nicotine, caffeine and alcohol all increase the levels of dopamine in the brain and these lower starting levels of dopamine in the brain of addicts lead to higher spikes in dopamine when the substance is used and that high causes the crash and the crash causes the craving in people without this condition in the brain the starting point for the dopamine levels is higher so there isn't as big of a high which doesn't lead to that crash or lead to that craving again. And once the dopamine is expended, the brain is now deficient in dopamine and that results in the subsequent crash and this requires additional substance use to jack up the dopamine levels again. But it's not just drug use that will deplete the dopamine levels. Stress will deplete dopamine, as will not sleeping properly, or by having adrenal issues, or by consuming an unhealthy diet, which is high in sugar and saturated fats. And a study by the Franklin Institute reported that caffeine, alcohol, and sugar cause dopamine deficiency in the brain. Being obese is a dopamine killer, too. So all of these things contribute to dopamine levels in the brain and combine that with the genetic predisposition and issues can certainly arise. Right now, I would like to welcome my guest, Brian McAllister from Full Recovery Wellness Center. Brian, are you there?
2: I'm here, Lauren. How are you?
1: Hi, Brian. Good. How are you?
2: Good, good. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thank you very much for joining me. So I don't know if you're able to hear the first part of the conversation that I was going over, but let me ask you: Do you believe that addiction is a disease of the brain, or rather, what have you come to believe about the causes of addiction?
2: Well, I, I did get to hear what you were speaking of, and I, and I do agree with it wholeheartedly. Um, the part of it, I just came in when you're speaking about Doctor Silkworth, who wrote the doctor's opinion in the big book Alcoholics Anonymous, when he refers to it as an mm-hmm. allergy, you know, of the of the mind, you know, and that it, it is so true, and then it, it it develops into a craving beyond any mental capacity to control it, I can just mm-hmm. speak for myself. That when I started drinking and drugging, um, I felt, finally felt comfortable in my own skin. That's something else that I can agree with wholeheartedly. And I've been to thousands of 12-step meetings, and I work in the industry. I'm the CEO of a uh, of a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. And it's just a common trait among alcohol and drug abusers, that sense of uncomfortability and discontentment that, that you mentioned earlier in, in your statement. Mm-hmm.
1: And... Brian, if you're open to sharing your story, how did it start for you?
2: Uh, well, for me, I'm from a good long line of Irish Catholic alcoholics. You know, my first twelve-step uh, okay. sponsor said, "You come by it honestly. Uh, birds fly, fish swim, we drank," and and that's just the way it was. It wasn't I never heard the word alcoholism or anything like that in my in my early days. I knew my family was a little different. We over. They drank hard, they played hard, they fought hard, and then everybody just seemed to kind of forget about it in the morning, make up, kiss, and pretend things never happened. When I was about 12 years old, um, I was with a couple of guys. One guy's name was Goofy, and the other guy's name was Butch, so you know I wasn't running with the Harvard crowd. And uh, I, I we, we, we hooked up like a lot of people do, and we, and we, we, got, a, we got a couple six-packs of beer, and we started drinking it. And from my very first mind-altering substance, which was beer, I was hooked. I immediately fell in love with it. Um, I chased it for, for, for many, many years. I felt that sense of ease and comfort that you mentioned earlier that came from taking a few drinks. And almost immediately things changed. Uh, my friends changed. Uh, my schoolwork uh, got, you know, I, I of dropping in grades, um, all types of consequences started happening. But what let me know now, I didn't know this then, that I was an alcoholic from the get go, was that no matter what the consequences, no matter what negative impacts, that craving for that sense of comfort and, and, and feeling of, of being uh, at peace in the world and with myself kept me drawing me back. It was so elusive, but that's what I wanted. And being I was, I'm I'm an older guy, I was raised in the 70s, you know, drugs immediately followed. So my story was pretty mm-hmm. much this, you know, I went from a decent student to a lousy student. I went from uh, chasing drugs and alcohol. I was expelled from a high school permanently. Um, I was on my own by the time I was 17 and uh, bouncing around the country. Alcoholics and addicts typically... We look to change outer circumstances rather than, than our inner inner problems or inner mm-hmm. challenges. And, and and that's what I did. I made my first geographic change when I was 18, 17, 18, right around that time, and I went up on the West Coast. But like most alcoholics and addicts, I took me with me. So I ran into mm-hmm. the same people I left behind in New Jersey. Um, I wound up continuing down this road... Where things got progressively worse, but I chalked it all up to bed breaks or it, it's just a problem going to happen to anybody. I'm just partying, you know. I called it a party. It was self-destruction on a grand scale, but I talked to myself in certain ways, and I convinced myself that certain things were happening just because, you know, it's just part of life. I convinced my, all my friends were doing the same thing, so it didn't seem unusual for some of these things to happen. There was legal issues. There was... Accident after accident, I, I had to pay coincidentally, one of the first, one of the first to- car totals I did was on High Street. That should have been a tip-off, but where I bought a <laughs> telephone pole. But, uh, you know, this is how my life went. And along the way, I, one thing I want to say, too, is alcoholics and addicts are typically fairly bright people. We self-sabotage our own success. For some reason, whether it's dopamine levels, whether it's environment, whether it's just the way uh, we were trained to think about ourselves. You know, when things start going well for us, we have the habit of self-sabotaging. We work towards a goal, we -hmm. try to accomplish a task, and when it's within reach, we start making poor decisions that pull it all down on our head. Uh, So what I did was I came back to New Jersey, I I met a woman, and uh, I asked her to marry me on impulse, really. I mean, I knew her from high school and she was my girlfriend. And then I took her on the adventure of a lifetime, that's what I told her. I believe I lived up to that, to that billing. Uh we, tra- we traveled the country, it was hippie times, you know, we had a tent and we had a Harley and we did the whole thing and we traveled for years. And everywhere I went, I ran into the same people, you know. Because I was using drugs and alcohol to feel good about about me and for a while it was a good solution. You know, if it was good times I drank, if it was bad times I was drank, if it was good times I got high, and I took everything. There was really not too many drugs I didn't abuse. Because no matter what it was, I was trying to get out of being me. Because I never felt comfortable being me. Nobody else knew mm-hmm. it. Everybody said, oh, yeah, that guy, you know, he, he's cocky, or he's cool, or he's this. But I've heard for years alcoholics and addicts being called egomaniacs with an inferiority complex. And that, that sums it up pretty pretty accurately. But now, I know, wanted to act like I had it together, but deep down inside, I felt like I didn't measure up. So you, it was It's interesting. In
1: some of the, well, Dr. Howard Wetzman, his um, presentation that I was listening to, he was talking about all of the things that we see from an addict are the symptoms relating back to the cause, and that it's not that addicts are self-centered. It's that because of the disease, they present as self-centered. It's backwards.
2: Exactly. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that. I agree that, that the addiction was really a symptom of my mind or my soul sickness or whatever else you would like to call it. I believe there's a reason they call alcohol spirits. I was trying to substitute that for an inner comfort and inner inner spiritual Mm -hmm. centeredness that I was lacking.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Brian, let me ask you, you mentioned that you had your first beer when you were 12. mm -hmm. At that point, obviously, you knew you felt comfortable. It made you feel a, a different way. At that point, did you understand or notice that it affected other people differently?
2: Yeah, it's, it 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 is. You know, you take typically two or three people go out. They find, find, you know, they they drink for the first time. Everybody gets too too loaded, and they throw up. And you know, say it's three people. Two people say that was horrible. I'm never going to do that again. And the third person who threw up as much as the other guy says, "Boy, I can't wait to do that again." Mm. It's just because it affects us different. I heard your strawberry analogy. That's a great analogy. I got a friend of mine who eats his kid can't eat peanuts. He goes you know, anaphylactic shock. If he gets mm-hmm. anywhere near a peanut, you know, I can eat peanuts so they come out my ears. We're just made different. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't make him a bad right. person or me a bad person, but somehow along the way, this misnomer that alcoholics and addicts are, are morally reprehensible or less than people um, took hold, in it, and it's really not true. You know, it's it just we're made different. Doesn't mean we don't do things or that, that aren't. Aren't, uh, right I
1: absolutely agree the influence.
2: And it just means that alcohol and drugs affects us differently.
1: right And the idea that um, getting treatment is a choice that we just didn't want it badly enough or we didn't work hard for it enough. I was thinking of it in terms of if we go to the doctor for medication and the, the z PAC that's prescribed for so many things, and if the z PAC isn't working, it's because we didn't want the treatment to work.
2: Yeah, it, it's funny, and it, they, that also goes hand-in-hand hand with society's answer for, for addiction, which is incarceration for longer and longer periods. And, and like you're talking with the z PAC, incarceration does no more for solving addiction than it does solving cancer. It's, it's mm-hmm. just doing more of what's not working. It's just making somebody feel less, less than and, and, and really putting it into their heart that um, you don't add up, you're not good enough, you'll never get out of this. And it's, it's very difficult as, under those conditions to claw your way out. So
1: in, in thinking of your story, mm-hmm. when was it that you took action and dealt with your addiction?
2: It wasn't for a long time. My my bottoms kept getting lower and lower. The consequences got greater and greater. I totaled 17 cars. I totaled three Harleys. I broke my back. I have a still have 19 bolts in my one leg, stainless steel plate, 380 stitches in my head, a brain brain injury, everything. That wasn't enough. The first thing I did when I got out of the hospital, it took me years to learn how to walk with our crutches. The first thing I did was throw my crutches out the window, hop down the stairs on my backside, and go to the bar. That's exactly. I made a. I made a, a beer holder for each crush, so I can drink on the hot back. That's how much addiction mm-hmm. had me, and mm-hmm. and the insanity of addiction is that I saw no problem with it. I could justify anything, but it was a bad break. It could happen to anybody. It wasn't the alcohol and the drugs. So I had to hit the point of literally wanting to die. Uh, that that I saw no other options, and the only other option was to blow my brains out before I became willing to do whatever was necessary. And that was my moment of clarity, as it's known in, in the treatment world. I had that moment of clarity, but here's the deal. I see people all the time. I have a sister who died from a heroin addiction, and I was with her one day a couple of years before she died, and we got to a detox. And we sat there for seven, eight hours trying to get her into this place. Finally, she got up, and she walked out the door and she says, "Ah, the moment's passed." That was the last words I ever heard from, but the moment did pass she she was gone after that she she passed away so the idea that when somebody's ready when somebody has that moment of clarity when they just have that glimpse when their higher power God the universe, whatever starts poking them saying, "Hey, there's a solution, it's so important to have beds available and treatment available to give somebody an opportunity to turn their life around
0: mm-hmm."
1: That's amazing, and I believe that you mentioned to me that there's a, a the timing of you being on the show tonight is worth mentioning.
2: Yes, as a matter of fact, on as long as I don't drink, drug, or die in the next two days, I'm going to have 27 years alcohol and drug free.
1: That's fantastic.
2: And amazing. I drank and drugged, alcoholically, and 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 as an addict for 13 years, and I couldn't have done it any harder. There's not much I missed. So people who say you can't get sober or that, you know, an addict, once an addict, always an addict, that type of deal. Yeah, I'm always an addict, but I'm a sober addict today. And because I've been able to stay sober today, for a lot of todays, I've been able to turn it into an incredible life of of fulfillment and, and contribution. And that this is available to anybody out there who wants to take the same simple... An enlightening journey mm-hmm. that I was allowed to participate in.
1: That's great. Yeah, I'd like to talk more about that, and also certainly about your program with with Full Recovery Wellness Center. I'll give you a chance to talk about that because I think it's a it's a great program. It's a a great way to help people with their recovery. Uh, we're talking with Brian McAllister, CEO of Full Recovery Wellness Center. You're listening to Here's the Thing on 107.9 WOLD. If you'd like to give a call, ask a question of Brian. If you're experiencing an addiction or know somebody and you have some questions for Brian, just call on the call in line at 732 748 1079. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Brian some more and take some calls. For those of you who are retired or close to it, have you taken the time to conduct a safe withdrawal rate analysis? If you're like me, you've spent a lifetime saving for retirement and now you want to make sure that it lasts. Few things are more important to the long-term success of your financial plan than choosing an appropriate withdrawal rate and establishing that rate early on can make all the difference. The investment advisors at North Star Asset Management in Panther Valley can help you determine what withdrawal rate is right for you. They've been working with retirees in the area for the past 30 years for more information the number to call is 908-850-9991 that's 908-850-9991 or find them on the web at nstarinvest.com
0: and now back to here's the thing a show that's all about you on wold and your host lauren cardinal a board certified hypnotist and results coach if you'd like to speak to Lauren, you can call in at 732-748-1079. That's 732-748-1079. Let's get back to the show with your host, Lauren Cardinal.
1: Hello and welcome back. If you're just joining us, I'm Lauren Cardinal. And tonight we're talking about addiction. If you know someone who needs assistance for recovery and you have a question for Brian McAllister, please call in 732 748 one zero seven nine, Brian. Uh, Full Recovery Wellness Center. Tell us a little bit about about your company.
2: Well, the Full Recovery Wellness Center was really. It came about after I wrote a number one best selling book on on recovery. I had uh, i I've been blessed to have a wonderful recovery. I I I. I'm not a, I'm not a college graduate, yet I became a CEO and, and, and running a major industry. A good portion of it had thousands of people working for me. I, I wrote this book, and I started the company because I realized what was missing in my life was I needed to do something with all this energy that I had. I needed to figure out what made me feel good about being Brian. I needed a substitute for drugs and alcohol to fill that void. And I had the epiphany that, you know, alcoholic people and drug addicts really who's more capable of developing an intense single-minded focus than an alcoholic or an addict when they want what they want Mm -hmm. it's actually a gift you know Mm -hmm. most people can't muster that type of commitment i risk my health my family my my money my everything in my life my freedom to to get what i wanted when i figured out what made me tick and got a spiritual foundation, and I found a God of my understanding. And then I took my dreams and my goals and my desires, and I combined them with that, that, that intense single-minded focus that all alcoholics and drug addicts have. I, uh, I was able to turn it into a really good life, and that's what we do at the Full Recovery Wellness Center. Being sober, not using, isn't enough. There's got to be something more, something better, and it begins with the sobriety, it begins with the recovery, it begins with the spiritual centeredness, but then you need to take action, because if not, we, we get bored quick as alcoholics and addicts. We're, we're, we're motivated, can-do people, and we need something to fill that void.
1: Mm-hmm. And how do people generally get involved with Full Recovery Wellness Center?
2: Well, it, all different ways. I, I speak a lot, I'm, I'm known in the industry, and we... You know, we take insurance and we, we do the standard things that people do. But, you know, as you know, we do other things. We do believe in hypnosis. We think that mm-hmm. all types of holistic, um, whatever works, how's that? We're always open. Just doing more of what's not working is what's keeping this epidemic growing. You can't lock your way up out of it. You can't. Um, little people out of it. You, you you've got to start figuring out things that that work and the holistic things we do at the center, Um, Like, for example, we have a law enforcement program exclusively for law enforcement. We found that they're the last guys that seek treatment for a lot of reasons. They don't want to be with known offenders or, you know, it's Mm. uh, bad on their record or whatever. We've got Homeland Security. We have FBI. In addition to just, you know, every other citizen. But we do this because a lot of these guys are suffering PTSD. So we offer them... Uh, different different uh, modalities to help them deal with that, non-pharmaceutical uh, solutions mm-hmm. to dealing with the challenges like EMDR and hypnosis mm-hmm. and spiritual solutions to help them deal and process the trauma that they're dealing with. Our, mm-hmm. A lot of our veterans are coming home like that, too, with the same type of issues. And what we do as a society is we throw a pill at them, and then we wonder why they get hooked and they're unproductive. And now that now they're just not depressed and, and 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 traumatized, they have all the problems that come along with the life of addiction. So at the Full Recovery Wellness Center, we open our doors and we invite people into our world. And the people who work there aren't just clean and sober. The average person who works with me has twenty five years clean and sober. They've also become wildly successful in their chosen field of endeavor. Hmm.
1: That's great. That's great. With full recovery, if I was experiencing um, addiction, would I just I contact you and start working with you, or do you work with people after they've gone to a, an inpatient setting, rehabilitation center?
2: All different methods people come in. We have everything from people walking in off the streets to we get a lot of step-down referrals from people who have been at 28-day treatment centers. Most of the people that come to us, uh, you know, aren't, for lack of a better term, first-time winners. They've been through several other programs. And what seems to be the big draw for us is we don't do the same thing everybody else is doing. Typically, when you go in, you, you get detoxed. And then it's like, you know, you sit around, you have a couple of meetings, um, you, you know, you're sober, but you're removed from the situation. But you're not given the life skills to go along with the 12-step lifestyle that's encouraged by most programs. Mm -hmm. So the idea for us is we've got, we show people. We just don't sit there and tell them and send them out without tools. Uh, we're, actually, we're developing a program that I wish I could get into a little deeper but it's almost going to be recovery for everybody on the road. You'll be able to take this program with you. It's, uh, it's going to be technology-based, and it, it's a patented treatment program that we've just developed. And maybe in another, when, when, when this thing gets up and running, I'd love to come back and, and share. That it
1: sounds great. Absolutely. I'd love to hear more about that.
2: But Fantastic. the idea with the recovery center is we welcome people who want to give themselves a chance. All you need is a crumb of willingness and an open mind, and we can help you get where you want to be. And we're not—we didn't just read it in the book; we live it. The people who, mm-hmm. who like I said, who, who work with me, my partners in this, all are in recovery, and they all have their own tale to tell. So, if we did it, you can do it. Just do it today. Just don't drink and drug today.
1: You know, one of the things that I find so important and. Integral about the people who work at Full Recovery with you is that part of having been through it. Number one, from the understanding perspective, but also that if somebody comes in and is not, something's not right, or things are starting to go back the old way, that the staff is more able to identify it and step in and engage than somebody who is not recovered
2: exactly. is that accurate it's very accurate like i could tell you what a pregnant woman looks like i have no idea what it's like to be pregnant i have <laughs> no idea what the, ha, ha, what what that feeling is and what's nice here is you you mentioned it in your opening that you know alcoholics and addicts they think different they're wired a little different And, you know, we can empathize with the person and their challenges because there's hardly a challenge that anybody comes through our door with that someone on our staff has not overcome. But the Mm -hmm. idea is you've just got to give yourself a chance, just a chance to walk in the door and keep an open mind. And if it didn't work for you last time, come back and try again. Don't quit before the miracle happens. That's, That's the key with this thing. Everybody doesn't get it the first time. Some people do. Some people don't. But the idea is to keep trying. You're worth it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, when in the beginning when I was talking about the, the dopamine levels and sort of the, the environmental factors that add to the lowering of the dopamine levels, one of the things that came across to me was that feeling of less than, which I think is why the programs where the meetings take place are so important because it levels the playing field. It, Nobody's it, less than in that environment.
2: You're right. You know, when you think about it, I said egomaniacs with inferiority complex is a description of, of an addict or an alcoholic. When mm. I go into a meeting, whether it's a meeting at full recovery or a 12-step meeting, or any other type of therapeutic community meeting, I'm one among many. You know, my ego's kept the right size. You know, I'm not here, I'm not any better than, and I'm not less than. And that's a, that takes a while to learn. It really, It really does. It took me a while to learn that I'm here for a purpose. You know, that just because I had some hard knocks and just because I don't have, you know, maybe the education somebody else has, doesn't mean that I'm not a valuable person. I had a man tell me in early recovery, you want better self-esteem? I said, yes. He says, well, start doing some esteemable acts. I'm like, what do you mean? Because alcoholics and addicts, we get selfish. We're selfish by nature. It's it's part of the disease. So he says, start doing something for somebody. Do something nice for somebody every day. And, and don't even ask for anything for it. Just do it because it's the right thing to do. Things like that are so simple and great self-esteem builders. hmm. That's
1: that's. Excellent. I hadn't thought of that before. You know, earlier you you had mentioned about the book that you wrote. Mm -hmm. And I read the book when we first met. I read your book, and I think I shared with you that I sat down and read it with one sitting. I had notes going in the margins. I mean, it was right through it. I thought it was an amazing book. And for those of you who are not familiar with the book, um, I think it's, it's just called Full Recovery, isn't it?
2: Yeah, actually, we have a new edition out with some updated things in it. It's called Full Recovery, The Recovering Person's Guide to Unleashing Your Inner Power. Mm-hmm. We all have some, uh, some personal inner power. I admitted I was powerless over drugs and alcohol, which, is, which actually gave me uh, an opening to, to learn about things. But let's face it, to, to fix a problem, you have to admit there's a problem. But I'm not powerless over everything. My higher power gave me the power of choice, for example. You know, when I was drinking a drug, and I, I, I surrendered that power of choice to my to my drugs. But now that I've gotten it back, you know, I can choose. You know, I can have the power to help somebody else out, help save a life, you know, be in this industry, whatever the case may be. But this really shows people how not to manufacture anything or how to become a billionaire in 15 easy lessons. It really gets down to the heart of who you are, what your purpose is, what makes you feel good about being you, how to have fun and keep moving forward with a sober, clear head.
1: You know, Brian, one of the things that you mentioned earlier about not feeling comfortable in your skin and what you just said about uh, surrendering your choice that you were to the to the addiction. And I'm relating the two thinking that you surrendered your choice because you didn't feel like you had a choice because the only way that you felt comfortable, that you felt like you, was in that state. Is that correct?
2: That is correct.
1: And so... I feel like the important message with that is that it's still possible to feel like you when you have the proper tools as part of your recovery.
2: That is 100% correct. You have to figure out what makes you feel good about being you. If you you have a second, I'll give you an example. We had a gentleman who, who wound up with us who had been through several programs And uh, he was banged up. He was in actually in in a psychiatric institution for a couple of months. And when we picked him up, we got him off of all the, you know, the 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 medication he had on. Got a baseline on him where he was at. We had a medical doctor do this, Doctor D. And when 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 this all happened, you know, I started. No, the guy was brilliant. I'm watching him. He's reading like three books a week. I mean, like three hundred page books. He's finally I started saying, "What's your story?" You know, I, up to his, I said, you seem pretty bright. He says, I should be. I have a master's from the London School of Economics. I'm like, what? You know, what are you doing mm-hmm. in the psych ward? So he starts telling me a story, and the story was basically that, I said, what do you like being, what do you like about finance? He was a financial wizard. He goes, I hate finance. I'm like, well, what are you doing it for? You know, you could do anything. You're obviously brilliant. He goes, well, he started telling me a story how his parents forced him into this. And I'm like, well, what would you like to do? He goes, well, I like working with my hands. I like being outside. I like uh, environmental things. Then I said, "Well, what other goals do you have?" He goes, oh, "I'd like to be married someday." And I said, like, "Well, what's your deal with that?" Well, I'm already divorced, and I've had bad relationships. So I asked him. I said, "Well, who do you talk to about your career?" He says, "Well, my mother. My mother loves me." I said, "Well, you know, what, what does she know about finance? Well, she knows nothing about finance. She's a landscaper." I said, "Okay. Well, what do What, do you, what about your, your mother's relationship? He said, well, she's divorced three times." I said, "Well, listen, your mother might love you, but..." unless you want to be divorced three times and be a landscaper, she's probably not the best person to go through for this kind of advice. Mm-hmm. What makes you feel good about being you? So we went through the whole process in in the, in the full recovery program and in the full recovery book. I the guy, I just had lunch with him last week. He called me up. He's sober five years. He's married with a child. He runs a small electrical business where he installs a hospital equipment. He's got like you know 20 people working for me. So I'm not making hundreds of millions. I'm, I'm living a great life. I love my life. I'm sober. I get up every day. I have a purpose. And that's part of it. Sure. Everybody's got a purpose. Everybody's got a dream. And it's not somebody else's dream. It's your dream. It's what the creator, whatever your idea of that is, put into you. And we give people permission to be themselves. And then we give them the tool set to go out there and turn it into reality. Not just stay sober, but how to have a life.
1: Mhm. I think finding that purpose is essential for everyone. Absolutely. And, even, and to have it as part of the recovery, like you said, about being solely focused for an addict adds to their ability to recover once that purpose is identified.
2: Absolutely. My life is so good, Lauren, that I wouldn't even think about picking up a drink or a drug. I have a beautiful home. I have a beautiful family. I have a career where I get to impact and touch people. I, I have purpose. You know, I, I, I travel, all these wonderful things. As long as I remember every day that I have an allergy to alcohol and drugs, and when I take them, I, I'm, I'm lost. I know a guy who said, Every time I take a drink, I break out in handcuffs. You know what I mean? So that was his allergy. <laughs> you know? And, and that's kind of how it is. You know, I got to remember, as long as I keep that first, and I keep thinking, okay, my, my creator didn't make me to destroy myself through drugs and alcohol, I have a purpose. And I keep taking little tiny steps every day towards achieving my goals. I mean, things just go, life happens. I have ups and downs like everybody else. Everybody does. But the thing is, today they're manageable.
1: Mm -hmm. Sure. And how would you encourage people to help themselves or help others to get the treatment they need? Because that's a difficult part of the recovery as well, is, is kind of taking that first step. Whether it's an intervention or whether it's making the call, how would you encourage that?
2: Well, I, I can give them, if, if it's for somebody, for a loved one, and, and, and I'm not saying this, please take this correctly, that sometimes it's more difficult getting through to the loved ones because normal ways, because again, alcoholics and addicts don't think the same way. They react differently. You, don't, you know, we've all heard of enabling and, and the codependency. We we have a, we have offer to the community a absolutely free meeting every Monday night in the Full Recovery Wellness Center. For the loved ones of people who are either in recovery, need to get in recovery, or just struggling and want to find out something about the disease. We do that because I'm married a long time. And if my wife didn't get well and my family didn't buy into this, it's very difficult to stay sober. So, as part of our ability to give back and help the community, we do that every Monday night at 87 Fairfield Road in Fairfield. That's one way. If anybody wants to call us at the Full Recovery Wellness Center, I mean, I don't know if you want me to give, if I could give out the number, I'd be glad to do so. Sure. And our our number at the Full Recovery Wellness Center is 973-244-0022. Either uh, myself, my partner Steve, Lauren, or one of these folks that, you know, our, 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 our administrative person will, will pick up and we will help you any way we can. Whether you're ready, you just want to find out about recovery, if you have any questions, we can answer them. And, you know, of course, there's always the 12-step rooms. You want to walk in, you want to sit down, have a cup of coffee, see some people who already know how to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. It's a good way to stick your toe in the water and see how how things go. But don't give up Mm -hmm. on yourself. Take the Mm -hmm. first step. Pick up the phone, even if it feels like it's 500 pounds, and ask for help. You know, there's not much I could do by myself, and that includes getting sober. I used to think I was like Shane. I had to ride off into the sunset. Everything was on my own. I'm a man. I should know how to do this nonsense. There's not many things we can do alone. And anything we do with somebody else's help is much easier.
1: And I would imagine, particularly with an allergy that we don't understand. You know, it's making me, it's reminding me um, last week. I was talking about anxiety and the idea that your conscious mind is the captain and your subconscious mind are all the crew and that when the, when the captain and the crew have the same direction, you're golden. You're moving forward with your goals. Everything is great. But when your subconscious, the crew, was given their direction before the captain came along, they're doing their job that they think that they need to do to keep things afloat, but it's not going in the direction that the captain wants to go on. And if somebody who has this addiction that's had it for many, many years doesn't understand it, doesn't know maybe even how it came to be, it's reminding me of that captain crew member who got a job before the captain came along situation. (laughs)
2: And that's very true. And what happens is again, when I was in active addiction, everybody I knew was in active addiction and, and it seemed like almost a normal life. This is just the way things are. And there's really nothing further from the truth. Now when you're talking about your captain, there's a lot there's a line in the Bible, I don't know where it is, and it says a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Not some of his ways, all of his ways. We're pulling ourselves apart. You know, we say we want to get sober, yet we're not taking the actions to get sober. We say we want a good career, yet we sleep all day. We say we want a nice relationship, yet we're not faithful to to, to our partner. So, like, we, no, nothing can take place until we take that single-minded focus that alcoholics and, and drug addicts possess, decide what we want, and then get in harmony with, you know, get all these other things out of the way so we can get in harmony with our main purpose. And that's when Mm -hmm. we start moving forward instead of being Mm -hmm. unstable in all our ways.
1: I'm looking at the clock here. We have about five minutes left for the show. You're listening to Here's the Thing. We have special guest Brian McAllister, CEO of Full Recovery Wellness Center. If you have any questions that you want to ask, we have a few minutes left, 732-748-1079. Just reach out, ask your question. Here's an opportunity to ask a question now before necessarily making the call tomorrow or the day after. You can speak with Brian directly, 732-748-1079. So 27 years coming up for you, Brian. That's pretty remarkable. (laughs) And from what you said, it sounds like the staff at Full Recovery is in a similar situation with many, many years of how did you rephrase it, clear days behind them?
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's the thing. There's somebody here who can relate to your situation. We're every color of the rainbow, gender, socioeconomic background. And the only thing that we care and sh- share in common, really, in a lot of ways, is, is, is that we are all addicts. We all came through it, and we're all very highly successful people. And we all started from, from relatively low stations in life. The thing with addiction is it's a disease where everybody has the same symptoms. You know, we all act the same. We all think when we come in, we're unique, that nobody has my problems, nobody's ever heard of this. Yet when you you start talking to people, you realize that, you know, a guy told me just the other day, I'm just another bozo on the bus, you know, and that's really the truth. You're you're just a human being going through challenges, and other people Mm -hmm. have been there, and they're compassionate. They will love you till you love yourself, and that's so important.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that. I have a friend who went through recovery, and when she went to her first meeting, she came out and said, yeah, they're not my people. I Like, I don't relate to them. They're not my people. And after going through more meetings and going through the program, she acknowledged that it was just an excuse that we're all the same.
2: We're all the same. We really are. But the idea is you've got to get your toe in the water, come in and feel comfortable. I knew I had a drinking problem years before I I got sober. If I walked into a bar and I didn't like what was going on in there, I didn't stop drinking. I walked to another bar. So if you're you're out there and you're trying meetings or 12-step life or whatever, and you walk into a place and you can't relate, don't, don't stop there. Try another meeting. And, and that's it. You'll you'll find somebody that will that will tell your story eventually. I, I go to speaker meetings where people speak, and eventually someone will get up there and tell your story. It, it it never fails to happen.
1: That's great, and yeah, she found the same thing, and she's been sober for several years. And she took the opportunity. I remember to clarify the difference between being dry and being sober. She said for the first two years she was dry, but after that she was sober. How would you relate to that?
2: Well, that, 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 that's, that's really true because you're retraining your brain. You know, let's face it, the, the limbic system, which is the fear-based, ego-based part, the old part of the brain, it, is, it runs quicker than, than, than the prefrontal cortex, And I had to rewrite the software in my head, and it took time. I didn't start out thinking the way I thought at the end of my run. All the I-nevers, the things I said I wouldn't do, the the attitudes I had, the things I wasn't proud of, came one crumb at a time. What became acceptable over time took time. So it's like a 12-mile walk into the woods. It's a 12-mile walk out of the woods. But one day at a time, reprogramming your mind for success, building on those small little successful things that happened by not picking up drinking drug, not seeing... You know, the, the legal issues, the family issues, the work issues, seeing them clear up and seeing everything change. After time, you know, you're not dry anymore. You you see the joy in, in this lifestyle. I, I, my life is so good, Lauren, and it's because the best thing that ever happened to me was I became a drug addict and an alcoholic because I wouldn't have found this way of life any other way. Right. What I had right. to go through.
1: Every mistake leads to where we need to be.
2: Yes, and all that hard living is being put to good use now.
1: That's great. So great to hear. Very inspiring. Brian, I'd like to thank you for joining me tonight. For anyone who is interested, Brian, at Full Recovery Wellness Center, you can find them at recoverywellnesscenter.com or 973-244-0022. I'd like to thank you for joining me, Brian. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Northstar Asset Management. I'd like to thank you for listening tonight. Uh, Set your calendar and tune in next week live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You don't want to miss the show. Until then, keep it light, smile, and enjoy. Good night. Good night. For those of you who are retired or close to it, have you taken the time to conduct a safe withdrawal rate analysis? If you're like me, you've spent a lifetime saving for retirement, and now you want to make sure that it lasts. Few things are more important to the long-term success of your financial plan than choosing an appropriate withdrawal rate, and establishing that rate early on can make all the difference. The investment advisors at North Star Asset Management in Panther Valley can help you determine what withdrawal rate is right for you. They've been working with retirees in the area for the past 30 years. For more information, the number to call is 908-850-9991. That's 908-850-9991. Or find them on the web at nstarinvest.com.